0: In this space, I don't want to be a black man or a black woman. I want to just be a fighter and that gives me some sense of peace. The search for peace, the search just to be.
1: Welcome to Surviving Society with
2: Chantelle Lewis and Tiso Regis.
1: Executively produced by Georgia Fori Addo. If you enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your ever-expanding sociological imagination, please support us via Patreon.
2: If not, you can always support us by sharing, subscribing, rating, review it
1: this is a trigger warning this episode at times contains conversations and sensitive material that people may find difficult to listen to welcome to another episode of surviving society we are really excited today to be joined by amit singh who is the project manager of Connected Sociologies, which is an open access social sciences platform. Amit has just submitted his PhD via Birkbeck titled Fighting Against Race, Racialisation, Racism and Kickboxing in the East End of London. Amit runs a youth enrichment programme, a sociological youth enrichment programme based on race cars and society in London schools. We're going to be talking about Amit's trajectory in academia and his work with young people but also Amit's um, just published a paper in the sociological review big up Amit it's pretty impressive <laughs> It's sick, sick. not just good, submitted your PhD it's so impressive and the ta- the paper's titled exploring the racial ha- habitus through John's story on race class and adaptation I mean we sometimes leave this guy off of the show because he gets a lot of airtime in sociology Bourdieu.
2: Um <laughs> but
1: we are going to be talking a bit on Bourdieu today which yeah. I think it's just, which will make a nice change for us
2: yeah a lot of theory it's theory right a lot
1: of theory but i think the way amit <laughs> writes about it is very accessible yeah
2: i think he does a good job explaining theory i think theory is something i guess people say we kind of shy away from the show really
1: yeah well i don't think we shy away from it we're just like what is your prac what's the praxis yeah in the, with the theory yeah we're very much as this is all well, know we're very much just stuart hall school of thought type vibe so yeah. it's what what's that in I th- reality i think
2: theory is important but i think sometimes in academia we get bogged down in theory mm. and, and it tends to have a, a closed conversation because we read the books right yeah Not everyone else reads the books
1: definitely or they do and it's just not been their interpretation is not necessarily valued within the academy. Anyway, digressing. Yeah. <laughs> Amit, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: No, thanks for having me. Um, I would say on the theory thing, so I, I'm not, I'm, I didn't do sociology for undergraduate history. And then I did Yasmin's course, um, which was yeah, more like Hall, Gilroy and stuff like that. And I started the PhD and I was obviously my PhD looks at like, I guess identity within a Muay Thai gym. Um, and how identity is constructed. And basically the overall argument I present is that people within the space, fighters within the space, particularly fighters, um, within the gym, which is like sh- a gym shared by like a, a large Polish constituency and a large black constituency, and then a couple of Asian people like myself, and then like not really any white British people mm. in the fighters group. And then there's an argument that is made like a community discourse, if you like, where people say, there's no race in the gym. There's no race, we're just fighters and that category allegedly sometimes to varying degrees transcends identity markers mainly i look at race right but also gender they'll say no 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 we're just fighters so being a black woman you're no longer a black woman you're just a fighter so you leave behind people would say i leave behind the baggage that comes with that
2: right and so i was gonna say that's quite interesting because i again frequent lots of gyms through my life like over my lifetime and that's what happens when you go into gym. there's a sense there's a bonding so the kind of the, term, the the themes i was looking at probably be like conviviality yeah in that space definitely the argument is do these themes transcend that space so outside that gym do these markers apply so when when you say if you met one of your pals from the gym if you met in mcdonald's would you still be fighters or you ask are you something different in that space
0: this is one of the things that like, I kind of looked at because I've got a paper that under review ethnography and I'm looking, I, get, I use a bit of Borgia. I love a bit of Borgia.
1: But I use the, it for the
0: empirical stuff. And right? also
1: like Borgia's like, theory, particularly of practice, like so many is just so important for analysis and really good. It's just, it gets, well, for me personally, I think sometimes within our discipline, Borgia can become quite hegemonic. And like,
0: definitely, yeah. Uh, boring. In, in, in,
1: in, well, not, not necessarily boring, but like there are other... Theorists, particularly like obviously, we're very passionate about black scholarship on this show. So I think that sometimes, yeah, it gets, yeah, anyway. So,
0: but yeah, one of the things I say is like, because people argue, like, well, one of my respondents, obviously, all pseudonymized, of course, uh, Nicole, she's like, well, these two people, these Polish guys, they treat me well in the gym and that, but I don't know what they go home and tell their wives about black people. And she's like, just because I see a Polish man walking down the street, just because i'm friends with them doesn't mean i'm the th- think the polish guy is not some skinner c-u-n-t mm. yeah which i think is a good it's an interesting do
1: you know what's really interesting comment. do you know what's really interesting um i mean this is remind me of an episode we did with carl mallet a couple of years ago and mm. he did mm. um, an ethnography and um Mu- i say muay thai, yeah. muay, thai yeah. muay thai gym in coventry and but in Carl's work, like he was one of the only black people um within the space. And he spoke about how racialization and racism was reproduced and how people engaged in fighting, particularly of negatively racialised women as well, like yeah, sort definitely. of like myths around like strength, etc. Um, so to hear you talk in this way that this gym presents itself as transcending presents race. Presents
0: itself is the is the key that Presents I mean. itself
1: as transcending race. And also hearing you guys talk about conviviality in gyms. I'm not trying, I'm not disagreeing with you guys and you guys have spent, I've spent a lot of time in gyms, but not in the same way that you guys have in a kind of camaraderie way. Mm. As so- Like the gym is one of, alongside public transport, is one of the places where I experience the most racism, sexism, fetishization, sexual harassment, all this stuff. I fucking love the gym, don't get me wrong, but it is one of the, it is one of the hardest places to be as a black woman. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I, I think,
2: I think, I think there's, I think we should kind of this- make a distinction between like the gyms that you're going to, like the gyms that, are, that you're going to are like kind of like, I'd say that they're clubs where people try to generate a kind of sense of camaraderie. Like so you're, it's like a brotherhood or a family. Yeah, it's,
0: it's very different to a commercial to gym, um, yeah. gym like a pure gym or a, um, yeah. which are like very like the opposite where like there's a distinction between bodies is very, very clear, yeah. right? But I guess what I'd say is that the, 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 what I do, what I try to do in the PhD is I'm like, there's such a weird space in the sense of like Hackney is a very, um, there's a large like Caribbean community, right? So there's like a lot of black fighters mainly from the Caribbean and then it's a Polish-owned gym and there are a lot of Polish fighters because of that. So it's quite, it's, it's like, a, it's a bit of a mix, do right? people get on? People do get on and one of the things that I talk about in it is how people, what I find like so hopeful and what I like a lot about it is that people try to get on and people will yeah. be like, people try to overcome stereotypes. I know, but what happens is in those spaces, it's, it's in those spaces it's the ideals
2: that sit around those spaces. So in the space where you're doing your martial arts, it's the ideals that you have to live up to. Yeah. Outside in public, those ideals no longer hold hold sway. So in that gym, things like honor, loyalty, discipline, they are key attributes that you people yeah. try to live up to in those spaces.
0: No, definitely. And one of the things I'd say is so, what I do, what I try to do is I try to really problematize these community discourses and what I argue. And the reason I come back to Bourdieu and where I came to Bourdieu is I read um, Wakant's Body and Soul. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what actually took me to Bourdieu because I didn't do sociology. So I'd mm-hmm. like, I was just like, I don't know who this person is. I didn't know yeah. really how to pronounce the
2: guy's <laughs> name. Yeah, um, I can't say either.
0: And um, <laughs> I was like, they're not escaping race. People aren't escaping identity in my field site, but they're saying they are. And Habitus was the way in which the, I was able to be like, this is the answer, if you know what I mean? Because it's because of that, people are being pulled back into race. So particularly with like Nicole, for instance, who's like one of the black women in my field site, one of two, she gets she finds herself, and I I like a bit of Butler as well, she finds herself interpolated back into race quite often yeah, yeah, and yeah. back into gendered and back into a racialized uh, gen- gender. There's a racialized gendering that happens. Yeah. So for instance, um, I have a chapter basically, mainly around that, um, particularly around gender, and I have quite a big section, um, thinking like with and through Nicole and some of the this is one of the tropes is that like Eastern Europeans are particularly racist that's what a lot of people say even though they're like we're all the same they're like but they are particularly racist and so she was like and this is true and from my own experience I've witnessed this a couple of times but not a lot not always everyone's meant to spar with everyone so it's underpinned by this egalitarianism we're all the same we train the same way we train at the same time we train dressed the same way in the gym's kit right which is a gender neutral kit if you like, right? We all train the same way. So we're all the same. We bleed together, we we like sweat together, we help each other improve. But then um she says, like we were sparring this Russian boy, who's actually Polish, says to her, I don't spar with women. And so I say that's like an example of like an, an act of interpolation, which takes her out of being a fighter and back into being a black woman, which mm-hmm. is imbued with like negative mm-hmm. um what you call it connotations, if you like. And What I found interesting was there was a desire from a lot of people in the gym to escape identity. And then it's like, there was a sadness when that was like, not lived all the time. Like in that instance, Nicole is said, she's marked out as a woman. Mm. Where in the space people find like freedom because they're not a dangerous black man Mm. or, do you know what I mean? Or just like a weak woman? They're a fighter, and that comes with certain things. That's kind of like it's very complex. I think it's really.
1: I think it's. I'm really glad that you have started with the example of Nicole because I think it is really important. Because in these kind of hierarchies of belonging that are racialized and gendered, like we do often see the case point as those that fall, that end up not being able to achieve the utopias as black women, and like. It does it so obviously. I uh, so just to caveat what I was saying before. I have spent time in gyms that are more like what you're talking about as well, and it does. Although the ideals are there, and you want the ideals, like those processes of racialization and gen and gender, like thinking about Sylvia Winter in the category of the human, and to what extent that Black people are to be in there, like it is. It is so it is so specific and so different for Black women so often. I think, but I do think that there is. I think overall. Ultimately, like I really like what you said about it being a space of possibility, and people want to get on. Yeah. Ultimately, but that feeling of sadness, like it is such a visceral experience it's so hard to articulate. If, and I think it is about be like. To what extent can I be a human?
2: One of the themes that comes up in your paper adaptation, right? So,
1: not not with black women, though. Well,
2: I'm, still, no. I'm just gonna, I'm just going. So, so when I so when I'm talking about these things in these spaces. So especially in spaces where you're doing the martial arts or, or you're looking in a competitive thing where you're looking to be the best. So you're not looking to be ch- judged on your gender or your identity. You're looking to be the best. And that is that kind of ties into the idea of meritocracy.
1: But can you address like, what you said about the black women though, in this instance? Why, why
2: am I saying, when I used to do bodybuilding, there's this young black woman, she, she was the best the best, and so she wanted to see it as the best. And mm-hmm. so at certain point she was seen the best, but there's also that point where people try to tie back to being a woman. There's that tension, you could never get away from that tension. So when I was the best, people still try to bring me back down to reality, by, well, not to reality, but bring me, back, bring me back down by saying, it's your genetics, or it's because of this, because of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's what you said in that thing, you cannot escape those realities. They, people always try to hold you back. Even though there's the ideal there of trying to be the best, People always try to bring you back down, and, and this is
1: yeah. And but is, I would, but I would still, I would still caveat that point here and say that: Do, you, did you see in your research, Amit, that like? Even with the so the Eastern European fighters and there and talking about like the men in particular that are able to escape tropes around being dangerous sometimes, but not sometimes, always. sometimes. Yeah. like thinking about how that is gendered and thinking about Nicole's points as well. It is it's yeah. different. So yeah, one
0: of the main, not the main, I guess one of the points I, that I made and I will that I'll make is that for instance John who I who I, who mm-hmm. I talk about in that one of the things he says in one in my, I use it in my methods chapter because he's just like. When the gym, when I joined, I trained at another gym for a long time and then I moved over after, which made it a good site for me to do research because I, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, and yeah. I was a bit of an outsider in the sense I was trained somewhere else. So mm. I had different kind of loyalties perhaps maybe mm. and a different way of um, looking at things. So I was a bit more of an outsider. Obviously I made friends and I trained with people and um, whatnot. But he said in, in like, when I came to the gym, it was mixed. It was, I'd say half black, half Eastern European. Mm-hmm. But when he came to the gym, he was like, trust me, it was a Polish gym fighters gym like just polish guys only polish men and he said they used to he was bit he's a big guy and he used to be like he, <laughs> he was like these big these big polish guys would come up to me and try and spar me and he's like I eventually i just beat him up and then he was like but then they would be like all right you, you're right right you're good yeah. kind of thing and he was like he kind of respect through that whereas i would say for female fighters purely often because a lot of the guys at the gym like i'm a medium to smaller size guy at the gym because they're Mainly bigger guys, yeah. so you know, like it's harder to garner respect in that way, because the guys are a lot bigger. A lot of these Polish guys are but, big uh, lumps, to be honest.
2: It's what I'm saying So, but in those environments, they're they're kind of, like, I don't know if this is even a term, but a closed habitat. So you're walking in somewhere, and to gain entry into this thing, you're going to have to shed some of your dispositions to acquire some new ones. Hundred percent, yeah. In those spaces, in particular, it's down to some kind of physical test in those environments in other social environments it might be other different things but in in those gym environments i know it comes down to physicality and th- that is definitely gender mm. so or he, technical
0: prowess I yeah mean, yeah because i'd say like being a brute isn't necessarily going to get you very far like just phys- physicality I, alone so when i when i say physicality i mean performance
2: yeah like, oh, okay so cool so, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, whether it be technical or or your strength you have to be so all awesome, your dedication to the craft that that has, that has capital in those environments. So, Definitely. So if I have that dedication to that craft, I gain points or if I come, if I dedicate myself and come regularly on time.
0: But this is what I'm going back to Nicole and what mm. I found so interesting about people in the field side is Nicole told me, she was like, I was at work, I knew there was a ceiling on my capacity at work. Mm. People know in the world, it's not like people are saying the world's post-racial. They're very much like the world is heavily raced. Yeah. Outside there are limitations on what I can do. But in here, it's limitless. Yeah, yeah. And that is freeing. That's liberating yeah, yeah, yeah. because I know that I can actually That's improve yeah. on my own merit, which I would say is like, it's complicated because obviously people don't, it's not neutral. There is a, obviously in the belief, we're all the same. It's like, it implies that everybody can walk in and do it. And it's like, there are loads of barriers like, um, obvious or, or covert or overt barriers to, to success within the sport and is I would say a highly gendered space mm-hmm. regardless of what people say yeah, yeah. And, I'd, and what I say as well is, in, is the ideas around sameness do you work through like ideas around masculinity for, for everybody right mm-hmm. it's a gender suppressed performance not like mm-hmm. an acceptance of femininity like I like one example is I wear, I <laughs> I got some purple tights that I wear. Hmm. Like I don't know what you call them. Like you well, know, like leggings, leggings things. Yeah, 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 yeah you yeah, know what yeah, like I, I mean, yeah, like yeah, training yeah, yeah. leggings. Yeah, 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 got, seconds, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. I wear them under no my moito shorts, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and people were just like, "Oh yeah, like why are you wearing MM gay shorts?" Yeah, yeah. But w- women would say that to me. People, people in yeah, the group, and I was yeah. just like. I didn't even think they were controversial types, to be quite honest. Yeah. Okay,
1: so we, we're a gendered space, we're hyper masculine, and we're also slightly homophobic as well. But, but there are two
0: queer members in who were involved in must, in in the research. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't stop it being a homophobic. Like, no, no, it makes like, it. That's like, what. Yeah, that's why yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so
0: mad. Because like, one of the guys, I I can't give. I don't to give away the whole PhD. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. One of them is like, it's just mad. Because again, I'm talking about how people are being brought back into the identities they're trying to leave behind, and he. Um, He's a black guy right people refer to him in the space as a gay roadman yeah and people were shocked when they heard he was gay yeah because he's i guess if you like his, his way of presenting himself he's like he's a bit of a roadman. yeah and he's i guess he
1: but he, then that but then doesn't his doesn't his case show the possibilities of transcending and critiquing I, binaries understanding? Def, definitely
0: but it also shows how like salient like dominant discourses around gender are and how yeah. race and sexuality and how race they are as well but again it, it, like
2: doesn't matter how much i try to however i present myself people will see my body embodying certain things yeah and so like kind of working off several armor work right so i embody blackness to certain people so again one of the things the tropes that i would really encounter is genetically i'm naturally strong <laughs> regardless of how, how how hard i worked this would always be the dominant discourse so it doesn't matter how many trophies i won or how much time i put in this would always be the key thing even from people that didn't even compete against me
0: yeah no definitely and i guess that's what i'm interested in is like the the idea there's like this idea we're all fighters we're all the same and then i'm interested in like what that means and also the ruptures mm-hmm. and i guess like the final example i'll give because i'm in loads is that like it is a polish-owned gym and the the owner of the gym gets a lot of calls from promoters, fight promoters in mm. Eastern Europe. So one of my friends, um I I went I thought it was absolutely nuts that he did it. But the promoter will be like the our coach will be like, um, I do want to fight in uh, Romania. They they like big black guys over there. Mm. And he the guy asked me for a big black guy. Mm. So like, do you want to yeah. fancy it? Mm. And then one of my friends, John, was like, absolutely fucking not. Mm. Yeah. Like I'm not a circus act. I'm not going over there to fight for some white people. But my friend went. One of my other friends went. And he was like, yeah, it's fucking sick. They all loved me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is just nuts. But I guess in that example, when he's asking specifically for a black fighter, what I say is that they're no longer considered just fighters, right? Because it comes with a lot of these Mm -hmm. discursive tropes, right? Mm -hmm. Around what did my friend he, john said he was like yeah it's like um, a mandingo mandingo yeah That's he it reminds if, it yeah, like.
2: yeah, mandingo it no, reminded he, me of uh, jack johnson
0: versus the oh, was it the
2: great white you know, hope but but, <coughs> but these but that, those tropes are played through if you look if you look at ufc today so if if you Francis Ngannou in it Francis yeah. Ngannou or if you look at um, Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington now, that's a very recent fight. It's not even a big hype fight.
1: Okay, guys, I'm going to stop you right there. Explain, like, for all the listeners Sorry. that don't know about UFC, so, so do an explanation of the, all the people that you just mentioned.
2: <laughs> so UFC is, obviously, it's a mixed martial arts sport. Yeah. Come, come on, it's a black uh, welterweight, middle, is a welterweight champion? Yeah. And Colby Coffin is a white Trump challenger. Trump supporting. And he's a Trump supporter. Oh, that's his stick. No, that's his, that's his thing. And so he talks in a very far-right way, very alt-right way. He wears way. Marga hats. Yeah. And he, does it, he does it on purpose, but... But how the media, how that plays out in the media, is those discursive tropes around whiteness and blackness, and the black animal, the beast, and a white guy, the great white hope, coming to beat this guy, and that's in 2021, on TV every week.
1: And this is, and this obviously, like, is a really good demonstration of thinking about culture, sport, and how important culture and sport and how important these are for mapping where we are with race as a society.
0: Yeah. And a naturalisation of ideas because mm. the coach doesn't think he's being racist. I no. think he's critical. Yeah, He doesn't think he's being racist.
1: So if you said to him that's racist. No he
0: said, said what he said John was like I'm not going and he was like no no but you look the part they love it. Yeah. And then John was just like I'm um, like this is just like a non-starter. Again but it's how they—it's how you think of racism. So they,
2: yeah, exactly. They, it they comes think, down to definitions, right? Yeah. Yeah. They think racism as as in calling you a name, right? But not not quoting something. that's how they think in their head how they see the world, right? Or not reifying. Yeah,
1: yeah tra-
0: And a lot of the Eastern European fighters in the in the field work in my field work um, come from an environment where there's like serious far right violence. Mm-hmm. So they equated when I asked them about like things like racist bands and stuff, they see that as completely fine because their understanding of racism is like violence mm-hmm. and like calling people the M word and that kind of really visceral type yeah, yeah. of racism yeah. so for them saying oh we want a big black guy to come over is actually just completely calm I <laughs> know but, but again for them it's 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 what they see you're a big black guy so they're just <laughs> saying what they see right in their mind but what I found interesting as well is like people tried to defend the community idea that we're all the same, even amidst situations like that. Mm. So I asked the black fighters that that got invited, two of them went, a couple said no. And they would be like, yeah, but like, you know, I get at first I thought it was racist, but then I was like, actually, they just want to see what we're like. And I guess it's something about like people trying to like, Rationalise experiences of racism when it comes in people that they like well, or that think, they're friends yeah, with.
1: That's so interesting. And I've spoke about this on the show so many times about my own work. Like one of the most interesting things about how black people talk, talk about racism amongst their peer groups or family members or friends is not the actual racism themselves or how that made them feel at the time. It's that kind of rationalisation of why it's happening or like rationalisation of they're not actually that bad and like, this is why. And then you kind of ask them more like, Oh, well, how did that make you feel like things that maybe would never have been considered at the time and they're like actually that was really hard Do you know what i mean like yeah, when you yeah. actually dig deep like it's, it's such a like we have to develop such a when it comes to processes of racialization and racism you have to develop such a thick skin in order to just get through everyday life and it's like what that a big part of that is about yeah this rationalization um but it's quite easy to not dismantle but to see the gaps in it when you just ask questions that you never really get asked as a yeah. yeah, yeah. Like... people
0: often were like oh I didn't think about that
1: yes yes and then yes, they'd tell yes. me something,
0: some mad racism that happened
1: and they'll say oh I haven't really experienced racism and then just list, That's,
0: yeah they'd list. be like I've never experienced racism in the gym but so and so told me black people can't swim mm. and then I'd be like what do you think about that and then we'd get, and you know what I mean? It would be interesting. But people, but I, what I found a lot is it came down to one, definitions of racism and two, a willingness to defend the idea that we're all the same mm-hmm. and a willingness to like, not a willingness, but an investment in the overall community project mm-hmm. and not wanting to rock the boat.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. I think. I like the third, I like the third one the best.
0: I yes. like a real like,
1: no, not just no third one. Yeah, the commu the the community when we have to like hold on to that stuff, don't we? Yeah, and it is
0: nice and it is like yeah. there is something in it. Like I don't know, I like through writing it, I was like, I've moved in circles around being like, this is so amazing and promising to being like this is fucking awful and it's making me sad. Yeah to like you know, like I kind of went like all the way around like I think when so when I've been in spaces like that I see the lim- the potential, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I see
2: the potential of those spaces. A truly convivial space where those things don't seem to matter. But like always, in, my, in, in the places I've been, race comes down to it, gender comes down to it, class comes into it. So for example, there might be a group of young, middle class bankers that come to, my, come, come to my gym. They're marked out.
1: Good, they're allowed all the space. <laughs> they're
2: marked out, but, but, <laughs> but-
1: They get every space. So th-
2: this, this idea of it's a universality, it's, it's not true. Mm. So for example, and I don't know if I could say, I don't know if I could say the guy's name. Um, he's a Hollywood actor. So in this space, I hold all the, all the capital on the habitat, So he comes up to me and I was thinking, that's quite interesting, because if I was at a premier- oh, yeah, I remember I, so I was at a premier, yeah, yeah. I'd be, well, I've, I don't think I'd be even allowed into this space, but here, we, I'm in control. I'm in, the, so this is my control. It's group. about what's valued within what's this value. certain context, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, so this is interesting. So there's different. we're just recreating different hierarchies in different spaces, right?
1: But then like, if we're applying to your example, T, like mm. an analysis of power, mm. What what can we do there? Is, this you know is interesting. Because I mean? yeah. like I
2: said, when I try to look at this and I try to think, okay, we're looking for spaces of equality and all these things that we speak about. But when I look at it, and when I deep it, I think we're just recreating different types of hierarchies. Mm. So when I'm in this space, it's a working class space now. We hold all the power. Mm. So if you're coming to my space, it's a problem for you. We want to <laughs> let you in. If we want to <laughs> let you in, we'll let you in. If we don't, we don't. And I see the same things that I used to see replay really out when I worked in the banks. In this space now, these bankers are coming. People treat them like shit. The working class boys, the road men, treat them badly. But equally, when I was in those spaces, they treated us badly.
1: I don't disagree with you T, but what I would say is like, how can we? Uh, how um, can we? Tr- tr- how so? Thinking about yes, yeah, space, mm-hmm. and thinking about like who holds power in each space. But then I guess we have to go back to like the the overall structures of power. Like,
2: I, I, I think and I think there's, I think there's a temporal element as well. Yeah. The temporal element what is temporal that is yeah. in in time, right? Ah, yeah, for yeah. space. Yeah. So, so in terms, of, <laughs> in terms in terms in terms of time, so I think the older people are like the older the older guys in the gym tend to have a different attitude than the younger ones, and again, that's reflected in terms of habitats because it, it links to experience, right? So the older ones tend to have a more of a kind of a mentory kind of way about themselves, and so it's a different kind of flex. And so as I'm as I'm seeing as I've moved through this moved through those things in time, when I was a bit younger. I was willing to be uh, be a bit more defensive, defend my gym, kind of say to people, "You're not, you're not of this space. You, you're not of this space. You, you don't, you don't train as hard as me. You don't, you haven't been there as long as me." I'm willing to defend it on those kind of things.
1: So it's like a a defense of the space that also engages in like a kind of yeah. masculinity, masculinity, and, yeah, and defend yeah. that thing
2: and saying, "Listen, exclude someone because I, I they don't meet my standards."
0: I would say though, within like the in the Thai boxing environment, where like you're split into like there's a fighters group and then there's like lower groups. <laughs> That it works through an idea that like you've all paid your dues to get there, mm. so you're all the same. And, just, yeah. and that if they're in the lower groups, you haven't paid their dues, and there is an idea that because because of the position of the gym in East London, there's a lot of gentrification in the area, so a lot of the lower classes are they have a lot of white middle class people, mm. but they're not. Then they're, they're very very underrepresented uh, underrepresented in the fighters group. And so one of my friends, that, is, can you just
1: say that again, Amit? Um, say that again. So in East London, there's less.
0: So there's a lot of gentrification in the area yeah. around yeah. the gym. Yeah. Like it's changed loads, even since I started training there yeah. like five years ago. Um, and because of that, the gym has like, they have the fighters group, which which is where you train to fight, I guess. And then there's like beginner level groups. That, there's like two or three beginner level groups beneath that. And those groups have now got a lot more white middle class people in them. Right. But there are none in the fighters class. And it's argued that it's because, going back to Habitus, that white middle class people lack the, I guess we'd say minerals, but like the disposition and sensibilities. <laughs> yeah, do, no. do you know what I mean? Zero
1: spice. No, no it's, spice. it's true.
0: Because of their <laughs> life experiences. So you see them, so when I see them, so if I'm
2: in that environment, I see them, and I say, you look moist. You look moist, you don't fight. And I can see it in them. <laughs> I can see it in those spaces. We don't give people the chances sometimes.
0: And no, I think in this in this context, it's not, it's just because it's not innate in them. It's just because like, Marvin Hagler said that you can't get up at five in the morning if you're sleeping in silk sheets mm. and i think that's the reality for some like it's just like it's a hard thing to do it's fucking long like why would you want to get beaten uh, up no no but th- again but then like i said
2: in my experience i've met people who are like that who are hard as fuck, man
0: yeah but i and, think they're more and, like it there's usually they've got demons that they're and, grappling <laughs> But see, like i said, like, <laughs> I see people and i
2: like so it's time it's about giving people the chances right yeah of course like, giving them that opportunity to prove
0: themselves and
1: I'm happy for them to be excluded from these spaces, guys. <laughs> no, listen. listen. <laughs> oh, yeah, can you just can you try and give a definition of habit? Oh, yeah,
0: so I guess how... So I was trying to say, yeah, I came And how you it. use it. So I came to it through Wakant's book, who... And I think this is a good way of explaining it. Yeah. And he deploys, like, an idea of a pugilistic habit, he says. And it's mm. basically, like, the matrix of perceptions. So, like, and pre-reflexive activity required to do something. So a boxer would subconsciously, like beneath the level of consciousness would be able to know how to like throw a jab cross, right? Whereas it would need explaining to someone else because it's not conscious. Sorry, because it then would need to be conscious, right? So in the same way, Bourdieu like initially deploys it around class. So you say upper class people, they they just know, they know what they're doing in certain situations. And I give a good example. My mate went to a wedding. Um, it was like working class mixed race guy, went to some white posh wedding. And then he was saying to me, you have to wear, you have to wear um. I don't know, a dinner suit? I need a dinner suit. And he was just like, I don't know what a dinner suit is. And he was like, and then there's like, and he went and there was like, all this cutlery. Mm-hmm. And there's like rule, and someone looked at him like, oh, like you, you, you're you using the cutlery wrong. But he needed to consciously develop a knowledge of how to use the cutlery about the dinner jacket, right? But these Posh White people had an, in, an almost inbuilt, innate knowing about how to behave, what to do, and what certain, what capitals to deploy, right? They, they don't need to, like, sit about... In the same way, John and I talk about John needing to read certain books, they don't really need to because that's part of their cultural upbringing. So it's like an... So Bourdieu would argue it benefits usually... Well, he would say it recreates that like, power mm-hmm. mm. because people then s- submit themselves to their status, right? And we all... People say, that. oh, I'm not doing that. It's for white people. Or I'm not doing that. It's not for me. It's for people that aren't like me. So it almost doesn't need direct oppression is what, is what Bourdieu would say. Mm-hmm. And I guess in the PhD, I talk about a racial habitus because I'm like, we have an understanding of how to, not just how to do our own race, but how to recognise race on others and what that means. And we make snap judgments on it. And Bourdieu would argue that's, relate, that's related to histories that predate us. So we're, we're living histories that predate us often in terms of the way we move, the way we speak, the way we think and feel as we move through the world. And that seems subconscious to us. But he, he would argue it's not innate. Yeah. It's because of, like, these histories. Listen. And I guess I say people... Sorry, I guess the last <laughs> thing I say is that I say in the PhD that, like, people attempt to break down the binary, the ways of thinking about race. They try to leave it behind, but it comes back because of because of, like, the was it Paul's ju- to discourse no it? but
1: you you talk about the durability the, yeah, durabi- the durability and reproduction of racist thinking
0: that's it that's yeah, the one that's what you that say yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, can I just say I'm going to give you a mic drop for that Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, that, yeah for yeah. that
1: definition very impressive yeah. definition on the spot and also this guy was talking saying so I don't I don't know what I'm saying and whatever <laughs> you're, you're, you know your shit like <laughs> this is really good
2: it's, it's what you know innately right when I'm walking the street,
1: Wait, can I just can I just when we're saying innately we mean in terms of our we don't want to sort of play into eugenics here. No, we mean in terms, no, of, no just for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, just sir. so how we are socialized. Yeah, yeah. So like how we are socialized from a very young age. Yeah, yeah,
2: and and are around. Again, your experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. so listen, boom. So where where a man's walked down the road, I can tell certain people by the way you're dressed, mm-hmm. your, the way you move, mm-hmm. the way you the way you even sit, like whose people you are, right? And and I guess and I guess that's that's what we're speaking about, right? So, yeah,
0: and he in some situations. Then, like for instance, in in like certain environments, you'll feel like what you said, a fish in water because mm. you just know what to yeah, do, yeah. right? And then you'd say in other situations, people exclude themselves because they'll feel like fish out of water. So they will actively look to exclude themselves from situations where they don't know what to do, where they don't know what cutlery to use, right? But it's easier to not do it.
2: But Again, this is again what we're talking about, this kind of, terms of idea of adaptation and a temporal kind of thing. When, I, when you first account that kind of fish out of water feeling, it's horrible. And so once you experience that kind of feeling, your first few times, you exclude yourself. But as you get older, you're more likely to say, fuck it. I don't give two fucks, right? And do what I'm doing. That's that kind of adaptation.
0: That's yeah, and I guess the adaptation thing is interesting for me because that's kind of what I saw in the gym. People trying to adapt, people trying to change, thinking about my own life and people I know. But then a lot of people would say that Bourdieu is a structuralist who says that like we are what we are and we can't change. And he uses happiness yeah. to explain that. But I, I would say I, I don't agree based on like my reading of it, but... I can see how people become come to No, those definitely.
1: And one of the things I was thinking about when reading your paper, Amit, is like thinking about what some like theorists of racial capitalism would say in response to some of the things that you talk about. I would say that I'm definitely more on your way of thinking in terms of thinking about the durability of racism and sometimes will clash slightly with people that are experts on racial capitalism. Because obviously people that are experts on racial capitalism say that they're, that race can be used and deployed to reify... Um, inequality in structures like look at the government for example but looking at the durability of racism just is such a crass example but like thinking about like Sajid Javid not getting invited to like Trump's like <laughs> meal do you know what I mean I know that's such an extreme example but like racist thinking is so intertwined amongst like all classes and structures it doesn't matter how much tap dancing you do you're still yeah,
2: so this, you're still a <laughs> so point like, like fanon made as well right so yeah, he's yeah, yeah. always an Negro, but also kind of kind of back to that idea of uh, that structural thing i would argue like can you ever shake that so for example mm. i am a working class person that's how i would define myself so if i won a lottery tomorrow and won billions i started hanging around with kenya west and all that could i be like them Would they ever accept me? Because, simply because my experience, the core of me, the way I move, the way I am, this is my, this is my habitat. This is where I started. And so that, that key element, obviously there's a degree of flexibility to it. What I've noticed, living outside London now and going to certain areas, there's one guy, one house, a guy who's a working class guy. He started as a tradesman. Now he lives all big houses there, but his house looks different from everyone else's.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've
2: come from
0: Essex, I know
2: all about that. So you can see, you can see the working classness, even though, they they have kind of tried to shed or or adapt to the environment you can still tell you can still tell yeah
0: that's where that's i guess that's where like bourdieu would say it's like you still have those to to shake those primary dispositions and sensibilities is difficult mm. they're they're enduring and you don't have that innate capital you don't know how rich like bankers dress their houses and stuff yeah, it's no, a-
1: it's, it's, it's interesting, and sorry, just to be clear mm. with is I wasn't defending or saying we should feel sorry for Sajid Jafford, quite the opposite. <laughs> but um, it's just interesting, <laughs> like, like how, how quick and fast racist thinking is applied regardless of structure. Mm. But I guess thinking about some people that will be listening to this now and, like, wanting to kind of critique what we're saying, if we think about power and structure and what race can be used for in terms of, like... Uh, divide and rule in terms of like reifying nationalism all that sort of thing that's also really important as well isn't it
0: yeah definitely and I think one of the things I tried to like think about in the PhD and just generally is that like racial thinking and like race is 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 quite durable it's quite enduring but it's not totally enduring it's not totally deterministic in all circumstances and if there are pockets that people find where it's not that's a that's a wonderful thing in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and it isn't always the case that like I'm Amit the Do you know what I mean? Like when I'm sitting at home playing FIFA, I'm just Amit playing FIFA. There's no, my race isn't determined for me in that situation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that Borgia offers a way, I guess, for me, and like to think about that and how that works and what that means. And I think the Fanon example is good because like you could argue that until the boy's like call, cool, he's just Fanon chilling on the train, right? Mm-hmm. And then that brings him into race. So I guess it's thinking about how that happens and, and what it means and how... I guess in my feels so how people wanted to really badly escape that, and I found it, what I found most interesting about that is that like, from doing the youth project and stuff, and and before that, I met a lot of like, sort of activists who are like much more invested in identity. They don't want to let it go. Whereas these people are like, no, it's my identity is 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 hell. <laughs> like it brings me sadness because in my life I'm considered to be X Y and Z, and that that brings with it a lot of negativity. So in this space, I don't want to be a black man or a black woman. I want to just be a fighter and that gives me some sense of peace which I think is like the search for peace, the search just to be is what I think is at the heart of like people trying to become a fighter which Mm -hmm. is just a mad thing and I think that links into the fact that a lot of people who I've met throughout like the last 10 years doing Thai boxing, a lot of them including myself have had like some, some bad mental health problems and then go into the, the, the routine, the structure that you get from training twice a day, from cutting weight, Yeah, is it gives you something to focus on and can give you some sort of escape and camaraderie and like all that. I used to get up at three
2: to go training at four. Not because I had to, because I could. Because most people couldn't, right? Because I did it because I can. And that level of control, no one had that level of control. And it's to show people that I, I can go one beyond. So if you look at um, Luciana Trimba's work on Cam Out Swinging. Yeah, so it yeah talks it's a good book. I yeah, like that a lot. It, it talks about body work. So I through my body, I demonstrate how the level of control I have. So whether, that's, whether I'm fighting or doing weights, I have a level of control that you don't have.
1: T, I'm going to like... And that they um, lack
2: outside the space. People yeah, lack outside yeah, the yeah, space. I
1: feel like I need to like get a bit like fanon on you here. like <laughs> That kind of like... It's quite deep, like what you just said. like mm. That kind of control but I have control over the pain I put on my body mm. does feel like it's kind of a mirror of society.
2: Yeah, listen.
1: As in that's where well, it's very deep, yeah, it's quite no. emotional. So, so if you, as in like the pain the pain, <laughs> and the racialization and the racism that society puts on you as a black man, you're like, yeah. I'm going to take that and I, I'm- go-
2: I'm going to fashion and you're going to show someone like, listen, so you won't give me a chance to get a job. I'm showing you I'm more disciplined than mm. your people. I'm more, I'm more dedicated are more committed to this thing and so so when you have that level of belief and you're in a group of people that have that level of belief the level of camaraderie and bonding that you sort of have it's so deep like so when you see people so when i find someone who's done something a sly move at the gym that's why it hurts so much i guess i guess a civil energy is how people when they go to war you, like when people they train soldiers to kill people they don't train them to kill people directly they say look protect your team this is your team you die for your brother you live for your brother and that's how you feel at the gym
0: there's people i care very very deeply about from yeah. training people that i would we've just been through a lot together yeah that care is like so it's very
2: very deep so when i see people at the gym so when i've seen women at the gym that i've trained for and i have that bond with and i see another guy disrespecting her it feels that hurtful like i'm thinking like, can't you see and that uh, that's when you say there's levels to these things because in the gym, there's people that don't ha- understand the levels there are to this thing because people mm. that come there casually. So when mm. you see someone treated, disrespecting her like that, I'm thinking, bro, don't you understand how deep this is? She's like a warrior.
1: But then I guess, but that just shows like that there is, yeah. like your example, there's like nuances and differences yeah, in how people are, uh, are perceiving the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Like some people are like, oh no, I can still be sexist and sexually harass this yeah, yeah, person yeah, yeah. and others are like, no, we don't do that here, yeah, type yeah, yeah. thing. You don't
2: do that, you don't see like, again, when people try to come to the gyms, Like I, you're still invested in the idea of identity because wherever you are, you're seen as whatever in different spaces. But in this space, in this space, uh, you're trying for excellence and all those other big things there.
1: One of the things, um, that's really, really powerful T, but one of the things that I wanted to maybe slightly disagree with you on, Amit, in your paper, but want to talk you through it, <laughs> talk about you with it, is you talk about John being caught between ethnic absolutism and racial nationalism racialised nationalism. So like a black nationalism. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know if it's because Oh, um me and Tiso talk about this stuff quite a lot and uh, Tiso's PhD covers um some of this stuff, like the in-between. I feel like one of the things we try and do on this show and how we talk, but also how we yeah, how we how we have discussions, how we generate knowledge and how we talk with um other colleagues and friends and whatever, is trying to find that in-between. Like I can be a black woman and not be a nationalist. Do you know do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, of course, and I can yeah. talk about the the spe- specificity around black womanhood without it playing into notions uh, that reify cate- categories do you know what I, do you know what i mean
0: definitely i guess maybe i maybe i wasn't that clear but i think what i was trying to say is that he's not a black nationalist but i'm not necessarily saying his dad was or like the guy was was it his kind of hair when he was at the barbers mm. but there is like um there was something in that that was trying to like hold him to something, which is, exists within the context of racism as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why I tried to put the Gilroy quote in to try and be like, this isn't the same as his colleague's racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something's happening, and that could, in some ways, maybe conf- that was troubling, I guess, for John.
1: Yeah, that experience no, with
0: think, his dad and that, think... a, a loosening of his ties with his dad, because he's like, well, I speak Patwa well, and I understand Patwa, well, but I like. Me talking in the same way doesn't mean that I don't speak like mm-hmm. still understand that and still haven't, uh,
1: yeah. It's about trying to find that in between, it's about trying to find like not like being like essentializing blackness whilst also like presenting like the metaphysical, the spiritual, the familial relationship with being black people. Do you, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's hard, it is hard, it's hard. I, I think
2: it's difficult for especially for black people because of not just black people, but marginalised people because just the way how racism is structured. Yeah. So, in effect, if you're white, you can live that... so free. We Be free, be yourself. You get me? But as a marginalised person of colour or gendered or whatever it will be, mm. it's difficult because you're living under that big umbrella term. So when you step out, as we all feel it, you're rep- you feel like you're representing your people.
1: But is there a way of, like... Is there a way of talking in a way that is about that, that brings people like collectivises marginality, but also talks about specificity around our different lived experiences of society without playing internationalism?
0: I don't know cuz I I, just, I guess I I guess I, I hope I didn't make out that no, John no, was a nationalist. Didn't. No, you that's didn't. not what I meant. No 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 I mean. you
1: didn't you didn't at all. If, what but, but maybe I did? just No no no, no no you didn't and it, it's a really important thing te- you didn't instant. you didn't you didn't make that out but you spoke about him being caught between these two things and I think that well again like based on my reading of Tiso's work and other black feminist work that there is an in between but we i don't but i don't know in in a society that is so reactionary right now and in a society where we're in lots of emergencies finding that in between is so hard to do i think
2: i think naturally people jump to extremes they either jump to the the individual or the particular or a big universal ideal right and we know none of these are these are just extremes mm-hmm. now finding that middle ground is a difficult thing to do yeah because people t- have a tendency to say well well you're either one or the other
1: yeah yeah
2: and that is the binarization of those things. So I think this sits at, it's a philosophical question, it sits at the heart of the Enlightenment, right? So it sits at the heart of the Enlightenment. Most Enlightenment is about universal thinking. The Nietzsche comes along and says, no, it's about relative thinking. So you have these two extremes. If we can't settle this philosophically, like this is the issue. We need to settle it, like what do we do there? And I, couldn't,
0: point, um, I couldn't include it in the paper because it was like short, but there was one, because I guess what I'd say about him as like my mate, and like writing the paper, mm. he tried to do both. Yeah, And so he went like, he tried to like, he was like, I'm gonna try and like dress a certain way. Like photography is like mad white. And he like tried to like present himself in a certain way. And then he said he went, (laughs) he also before that, he'd been to Jamaica and he just came back and he said, I was just like, in his own way living like a yard man Mm -hmm. and like speaking Patois and just like, but then he was like, but that just wasn't really me either. Like doing just that. So he was like, now I just live my life and I'm like, just me. (laughs) But and it's complicated, and he's like my age now, so it's harder.
2: But and this is what I'm saying. I think there's a there, there is definitely a, a time aspect to this because most of us in this room have gone through similar things at, in different situations where you you try to adapt to your environment and jettison what you think is not acceptable, and then when you realise that that doesn't work, you go back to what you think is acceptable, yeah. and you realise. But the, in that in that process of that time, you've changed yourself. Yeah. So the only thing you can be is this in this present moment, who you are. But that's only through time that you understand that
0: yeah that's what i think he's, he was getting at as well i think he was basically just like gave that a go gave that a go and now i'm just comfortable being me yeah and and i don't want to work with people like that and like but but then again the question is what is me because that's a process
2: of like you you are who you are at this current moment at this yeah. current junction have right?
1: i have i structured my being self as the, through the white gaze
0: mm. but always i guess like, always, we carve yeah. ourselves out don't we yeah i, I think that's yeah. kind of what he touches that. i think he's right at the end when he's like take a bit of this you take a bit of that and then you just be what? but when but it's always against the backdrop of like wider social discourses like, if, if you look
2: at like uh Michel Dernier's work of sidewalk right so where the main protagonist Hakim, he feels that like he's these, these the pressure of the white gaze is too much so he abdicates and goes into the streets and he realizes he's not as street as he thought he could be, right? Living as uh, someone selling papers. But you realize there's levels to this. There's people who are less
1: well-off, less fortunate. I think one of the things that I find really what encouraging and I'm almost, like, jealous of, like, is this the fact that there can be spaces where you can just be. Because mm. it is so hard to find that. So, like, listening to you talk about overall some people fit, like, Nicole's story overall feeling like I can just be a fighter like yeah like this is why sometimes I sometimes clash with our friends and colleagues and comrades that talk about the importance of centering material material the material conditions within our analysis um, which I do try and do but ultimately it is so hard being it is hard being um a person of color being a black woman in so many spaces like and it, it, that kind of weighing down on you that sadness that your feelings as an ethnographer like when you're witnessing all that stuff it's so it's so hard for us to articulate
0: yeah no and there's a lot of like there's a lot of like sad things as well about how but it's a lot about class as well right isn't yeah, it yeah yeah because um her position as a black working class woman structured her interactions with the gym and with people in the gym. It limited, it put limits on how often she could train, right? Because she needed to work. And she was trying to be a PT and it's f- fucking hard being a female PT, like, like, a black female PT. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't getting as many clients and the gyms only wasn't passing their clients. But within the logic that this is an egalitarian space and a meritocracy, whoever has the most clients is assumed to be the best, right? within that logic. So she's got no clients. And then my mate, he's like, well, I've got more PTs than her because I'm just a better fighter. Like, well, like, obviously that's true because if I'm saying to him, well, you've got more PTs than her because you're a man, I'm then putting a dent into this idea that everyone's the same in the space, right? I'm like hurting his understanding of himself probably. And even the fact that he's had more, he has had more fights than her, he fought for a higher level. The gym's owner's not giving her as many, as many opportunities. And there aren't as many opportunities for women to fight because there's less females that fight. So it's like, it's nowhere near as simple as him just being like, well,
1: I'm just better. No, and, this and is, I think this comes down to, again, another core discussion we have on this show. To what extent can you get all people from all walks of life to divest from ideas of merit- meritocracy, even in a space where you do have to train and some people are better than others? To what extent? Can you can you show can you get people to do that reflexive work of actually race, class and gender, structures, fucking everything. I
0: just think in the, in my fieldwork, what I would say about that is that I maybe probably I'd say a theme of the fieldwork that maybe I didn't explore a lot was that like and kind of what you were saying, um people were searching for control because they know they have no control over themselves. Mm really we have very little control over ourselves. I don't want to be like too much of a determinist, but we don't. Mm. So when there are pockets where we do have control and we can assert control of ourselves, I think people want to cling on to that. So the idea that within this space, I can completely be the master of my destiny. That's a really attractive proposition. And I think for myself, when I was like, the most like depressed and training the most and competing, I was training twice a day, controlling my calorie intake, controlling my training output. These are things I, in a world where I lack control, I can take control of these things. And that is an appealing prospect, even if that was a form of self-flagellation. But right.
1: even if we can say, yeah, so your guy, he's done all that. He's not gonna lose anything by saying, <sighs> or or just demonstrating an awareness to Nicole, it's, fucking, it's a bit harder for you because you're a black woman. Like- It's out of what, order. It's, yeah, yeah, it's in like, yeah, it's it no one loses anything by just saying, but, actually, like, did you know? But
2: you see, in those spaces, so it, especially in those kind of, uh, uh, combat sports bases that we've been in. So technically, all of us in this room can throw a punch, right? Because we've all got two hands and a fist, <laughs> right? But but to learn to throw a punch to knock out someone is a different thing. It's a technique. So, so I'm taking something we can all do, and but I'm making it better by practice, by hours and hours of practice. So becoming consciously competent of how good I am by throwing a punch. Or for example, like football, we can all kick it. We can all kick a ball, but we're not all footballers because these people have dedicated their life to kicking. This ball in a particular way. I know, and, but and so this is why it's so hard to separate those ideas of meritocracy because people take those things that we think we, we're all the same because yeah. we literally all are human beings.
0: But what I would say though, because I I did because I didn't really explore that much from PhD. I tried to I submitted a paper kind of based around some of these ideas and I was thinking about it. And I chatting to some people about it and there is this idea in boxing it's very prevalent. I train myself, mm. I take control of what I do, I deserve to win because I trained harder than you. Nonsense, but like. You know what I mean? Like obviously if you train harder you give yourself a better chance of winning, of course. Like, but that doesn't mean you're gonna win. And one of one of my like good friends who I used to train with the old, at the old at my old gym, who then came over as a coach to the gym that I moved to for various reasons, um, reached like the pinnacle of the sport. Like he beat top ties, he won multiple world titles. And I was chatting to him about it. He's I would say he's one of the most humble people I know. And he like training with him twice a day, I was like, This it was unbelievable. Like hmm. the levels were just mad. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, like what do you think about this? I gave him a quote from Chris Eubank Jr., where he's like, I wrap my own hands, like I do everything myself. Chris Eubank Jr. is like a was it, middleweight um, yeah. prospect contender. And then I said to him, like, What do you think, about it? He was like, To be honest, mate, he's like, The only reason I went as far as I did is because I was lucky that I walked into a gym in the right sort of like area that was a good gym. It could have been a shit gym. He's like, I walked into a good gym. He was like, I lived at my parents' and like, my mum cleaned my clothes. He was like, I'm yeah. training twice a day, my mum's cleaning my clothes. He was like, Do you know how much unbelievable help that is? Yeah, it's a team thing. Yeah, he he was just like it's not. He was like I was just there, and he was like, and to be honest, he was, he was like I just wanted people. I, I really liked getting positive feedback. Yeah, but this is what I used to say to people. Like one of the things that I used to get annoyed at is when people lost, they'd say
2: like they'd be so upset, like I did, I just But it's a team thing. So when when I won, I, I don't I don't keep any of, this, any of my trophies. I don't keep them. I gave them to the people that, I, that coached me, that helped me through, or gave them to my mum.
1: No, because but it's a team but, thing. But what, but what Amit's saying is, it's class and about place as well. Yeah, yeah, as in like, yeah, Obviously, it's all, yeah. Team, as in it's all about team. Is in about team and working it's a lot together. About luck. but like, <laughs> and obviously, a lot about luck. But also, like, his mum's yeah, is, yeah, he he's at what, home. Like, yeah. he's got the space to yeah. live at home. Like but, those, lots of those things.
0: I think, yeah, I think definitely, and he did work really hard. But it was within, and that's what kind of what he's like. It was within that context where I had a support network and stuff mm. that enabled me to do yeah. it. Which, like Nicole, who hasn't been training very much recently and for a while because she's been juggling job Do you know what I mean? It's like, and like other people in the space who maybe are still working class, but like someone like Fitz, who has loads of personal training clients, um, he doesn't need to work in the same way. He's in yeah. the gym the whole time. It's easier for him. It is easier for him, mm-hmm. which you'd hate to hear me say that, but it's mm-hmm. true. Like, mm-hmm. But it's hard to, I think, accept that because, and I think Trimba touches on this, right? In yeah. the, the coming out swinging book where she kind of mentions the fact that like, people do like, there is an idea that like outside the world is so unfair, but here is fair. Mm-hmm. So here, like I can exercise more control. Like, I have more agency within this context than I do outside. Because uh, like the idea, if
2: you're fighting someone, again, you're going to, you usually put at someone in your same weight class, the same height as you and e- probably equal ability. That's, that's the kind of meritocracy of it all. They're the kind of ideals that are espoused, but obviously, like I said, it's deeper than that. We know it's deeper than that, but that's not what comes to the fore when you're talking about it. In everyday stuff you know
1: mm.
2: it's mad yeah but it's interesting like because that's that initially when i started my phd that i was looking at the community of reality in a similar space in gyms because that's where i spent most of my time and to see how race gender and like in my, where i live how religion plays out as well in those spaces
1: i really like what you've said amit in terms of there is, what the gym, what your research shows is the possibility of transcending categories that oppress and marginalise us, but also at the same time, they're reproduced in these spaces still as well.
0: Yeah, and thinking about the pockets of space and how they open and close in different contexts, I'd say is what I'm interested in. Looking for hope, innit? Yeah,
1: it's that's That's why I go to the gym, I still love yeah. it, man.
2: So I go to those spaces because I feel free, man. You know I mean?
0: Which is a that's a wonderful thing though,
2: isn't mm. it? So for an hour and a half, I'm not, I'm not so I'm just. But again, once you're in those spaces, you develop new identities. So you're the one who's really good, or you're the one who spars really hard, or you're the one. There's always identity that you assume in those spaces.
1: I know we've got to stop. Sorry, George. But yeah. one of the things we didn't get to ask you that, oh, that I know so can talk a lot about is in terms of the culture in the gym as well, as in like. Tea, like you had to like flee for a bit because of how much like conspiracies and like yeah, tea like... would get called Google. Um, and yeah. like, as in,
2: <laughs>
1: as in like, what, like, what is the political culture but, within but the gym? No, like,
2: it's interesting that you say that, like, it's the idea of like, again, it's escaping race. So, as a because they tend to be rogue guys, that somehow you don't know a lot. So, because I, I had knew a lot and knew a lot of dates, that seems abnormal to them and so they they, so they to mark me out they call me google
0: right <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of conspiracies i think in yeah. combat gyms generally yeah, oh yeah it's God. bad right it's bad right <laughs> yeah i'd say there's a lot yeah yeah you see
1: on that note there's a lot of conspiracies <laughs> amongst the elite as well it's not a working class thing although we do have some yes. some some
2: next <laughs> some, level boy. i get so the mad sh- arguments man mad <laughs> arguments
1: Abby, it's been so great talking to you. I literally could talk to you all day. You're amazing. And congratulations on submitting your PhD. And we're so excited for like all the work you're going to be doing on this stuff because we love this. Hopefully this I'll is... pass. You will.
0: <laughs> but no, thanks for having yeah. me. Honestly, it was good. Just, I was a bit nervous, but I felt No, It's, just felt a chatting. it's like a chat Do moment. You now? Yeah, yeah, no. better. about yeah. <laughs>
1: it. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again next week. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to Surviving Society with Shantel and Tiso. You can now continue the conversation with us on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your ever-expanding sociological imagination, please support us via Patreon.
2: If not, you can always support us by sharing, subscribing, rating and reviewing.